I love the Church of Jesus Christ. I love the opportunity to get to pastor and minister in in the church. Now, I won't say that it's not a challenge or that there's not some crazy, but just like at Thanksgiving and through the holidays, you know, there's a little bit of crazy in every family. And you might fold your arms and might say, well, no, there's not. Well, if that's you, then you're the crazy. You just don't know it. I, uh, I, I was a student at Johnson Bible College years and years ago, and this is down south outside of Knoxville, Tennessee. And, and I had the opportunity as a preacher boy, that's what they called us, preacher boys, to be sent out and go preach at little country churches. And I had a couple of good sermons, or what I thought were good sermons, that I would go out and preach wherever they would call me to go. And I, I remember going down to Keenerville, North Carolina. And I'm t- telling you this, if you know, ever, have ever seen the Clampets or the Beverly Hillbillies, maybe an old rerun, this is, this is there. They're, I mean, single lane road, weaving, you don't know which way you're going to end up up a mountainside, dogs laying out in the middle of the road, people actually rocking on a, a porch swing with a shotgun across their laps, it was a little bit of deliverance. A lot of country where maybe a country preacher might say, you know, at, at you know, you might say, y'all come on in. And that was their call to worship. Or you might say, hey, Bubba, will you pray? And five guys stand up named Bubba that start praying. That kind of church, a little, I, I didn't know if I were going to get out of there. I mean, really, honestly, I was, I was preaching and before I was standing back with the guys that smoke outside this little country church. And I wasn't smoking, by the way, but I was with them because that, you know, we were bonding and I, you know, we're talking hunting and fishing, everything I couldn't. And the last guy that went in before service, uh, said, Hey, you know, this church split over, uh, the old or the old Bible and the new Bible. And I'm thinking, I only have one Bible. And the, uh, what, what I'm going to say, the school preferred version of the Bible, if you're in, we're into that, at that time was the 1984 NIV version. But when he was talking about the old Bible, they'd spit over the King James Version versus the new Bible. And they had started another church about a stone's throw away. And I'm thinking deliverance. And I'm thinking, I better preach out of the right Bible today because this is not my war to or, or problem to solve. I mean, I was concerned. And so they asked me to lead singing. Imagine that. That wasn't happening. And, and there was this little old lady that had a gas mask on. And this, this was a beautiful little building and had pine, pine, uh, real pine, what I want to say, uh, paneling on the sides of the church. It was beautiful. And I thought, well, you know, maybe they're, they've heard about maybe a nuclear attack or something. Cause she was, she wore a gas mask through the whole service. I'm thinking, well, that's weird. And lo and behold, I found, uh, under one of the pews, uh, a little, uh, King James version Bible, the covers had been ripped off. And I preached that sermon out of that KJV and then I went out, I mean, they, they, they paid me with a paper bag in cash. And then I went to, to dinner at one of their house and it was a one room 
house that was split with a blankets for a curt, you know, kind of like a, a room divider. And the guys ate first, which that's the way it ought to be, right? <laughs> oh, treading on thin ice there. Uh, and <laughs> had a little outhouse out back. And as I left there and, and there, the church, there, that's the church. And loved on them, they loved on me, and they blessed me. And I drove out of deliverance all the way back to school. Never went back. Never went back. I thought once I pressed my luck once, and I probably wouldn't make it out the the second time. But really, a sweet, sweet church. You know, the church of God is a wonderful thing. It's the closest thing to heaven on earth. And today, we're wrapping up this Rooted series, and we're going to look at week 10 in in retrospect. You should have read through that if you have the book. And we're going to talk about why is the church important. And I've got to tell you that the church of Jesus Christ has changed my life. The reason why I'm here today is because of you and the churches that have impacted my life. So, this morning, why is the church so important? And I'm going to my Bible, and if you will, turn with me to Matthew chapter 16, and we're going to start out in verse 13, and we're, we're looking at a specific event that Jesus chose this particular time in this particular moment to address. And it's in the latter part of his ministry, in his third year of his ministry, and it's in verse 13, he said, now when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked the disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? And the Son of Man, in this moment, Jesus is referring to himself in the third person because he liked to refer to himself as the Son of Man. But but the reason—I thought I heard music there—but the reason why uh, he was addressing this was the location, and it was a giant object lesson. And I'm going to have some pictures here in a moment. If you look at the first picture, it looks like a cave, but actually is a grotto. And this is in Caesarea Philippi, and it was probably from from a position, maybe Jesus could see this in a distance, but a good Jewish man and his disciples would not have entered into this area. But he was making a point. This was a huge stone uh, bedrock area, and right in this vicinity, in fact, there's a river running out of that right now, and actually it fed the Jordan River. This was the main source of the water that came, this spring was the main source for the Jordan River and for all Israel, western Israel. But what was contained here in this area was the Temple of Augustus, the courts of the god, Greek god Pan, and the uh, the temple of Augustus was uh, the temple of the Caesar worship, the worship of the king or the emperor of of the Roman Empire, and the temple of Zeus. And so this was a very pagan area that 
that the Jews wouldn't even go near. And when Jesus was approaching this with his disciples, he, he was asking them, going to ask them who he was. And, and, and the disciples, the apostles responded in this way. And you're probably familiar with this passage. And they said, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. Now, if, if I were teaching, if I were your preacher, which I am, and somebody asked who, who I was, and you said, you know, you're, you're on the level of John the Baptist, Elijah, or, or Jeremiah, or one of the prophets, I would be, I mean, that's pretty, that's pretty significant. That, that's pretty important. But then Jesus leaned into them and said, but who do you say that I am? But who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Now, Jesus was making an obvious choice. He knew who he was. And what Peter was saying was that Jesus is the Messiah. He is the anointed one. He was the one that was prophesied about throughout all the ages, even from Genesis all the way to the whole Bible. He was the one. Now, in this moment, in, on that backdrop, geographically, there were many false gods in that secular culture surrounding the Jews, but there was only one God that was living, and that is still true today. There's only one God. You can serve other gods, but there is only one living God. And then Jesus answered him and said, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but the Father who is in heaven. Only God can make the identity of Jesus clear to a person's mind. Only God. Now, some of you are praying for people to come to Christ. Some of you have family members. You have friends that you just, you, you've, you've prayed for. You've been kind. You've loved on them. You, you told, you've told them how your life works and the difference Christ has made in your life. But they just don't get it. They haven't made a decision. They haven't moved one inch toward Christ. Don't give up. Put your faith and trust in what the Lord is doing and what the Holy Spirit will do in their lives. Never give up. Because it's Christ, it is the Spirit of God that moves people unto him. Until they are ready, until he moves, nothing's going to happen. But persist. And then Jesus says this, and, and this is very confusing because it's confused Christendom. Jesus didn't do this intentionally, but, but it has been misinterpreted in a large way. In verse 18, it says, But I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Now, when Jesus says, you are Peter... The word in the Greek is petros, and that means a single rock. It's not a pebble. It's not like something you put out on a playground, but it's a large enough rock probably to skip on some water. But then he says, but on this rock, petra, 
which is a rock, a bedrock or a rock quarry, I'm going to build my church. He wasn't going to build it on Peter to be the first pope. No, it wasn't just one disciple or one apostle. No, he says, I'm going to build my church, ecclesia, is the word there, and and the word we get church from is Kirke, which is German, but ecclesia is the assembly of called out ones. Ecclesia means from or out of, and kaleo, to call out. And and you might not recognize it or not, but if you are hearing my voice today, you are of the called out ones if you're in relationship with Jesus Christ our Lord. You are one of those. And ecclesia basically means a gathering or assembly and an assembly of people. That's what we are. It's not a building. It's not a place. It's not an organization. It's not an institution. It's an assembly of people living in dynamic and organic. What the disciples heard from from Jesus that day is on this rock quarry of disciples, I will build my community of believers. That is who you are. That is what we are. The church is the community of all true believers of all time. When I have the opportunity to travel and I go to other places and other churches and things like that, that meet at the same, well, approximately the same time on the same day, whether it's here or in Israel or Europe or South America, we are a part of that church. In in Ephesians, Paul describes it this way. He says, so so then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens. We, We sang about that this morning with the saints and the members of the household of God built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. The, the, that is the rock quarry or the bedrock, but Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, the chief stone, in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you are also being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. God is doing a work in you. God is doing a work in our church. God is doing a work in the church universal, and he is building it up. Peter must have been reflecting on this moment later in his life in ministry. After everything had already occurred, Jesus had resurrected from the dead. Book of Acts, the church has started in 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 4 through 6. Here is how, what he writes. He says, as you come to him, a living stone, still that metaphor of stone, rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious, you yourselves, living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it stands in Scripture, Behold, I am laying in in Zion a stone, a cornerstone, chosen and precious, precious, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. God is building the church through Jesus. Jesus builds his church. Now, you that come from a Bible background or grown up in church, you know Jesus was a carpenter. 
and probably learned carpentry in Nazareth. But what you may not know and what you may assume is that you know that Jesus was a woodworker. And that's not necessarily the case because this in translation, this carpenter, it, it, it actually means craftsman or builder. And if you've been to Israel, and if you've ever seen pictures of Israel, most of everything is built with stone, not wood. Now, that doesn't mean that Jesus didn't work with wood, but but it's fascinating to me that he may have been a mason as well as a carpenter, as well as a builder. And And who else would you want to build your house but the master craftsman? Jesus, wouldn't you? And so when we look at church and churches are struggling today, in fact, I read some statistics from uh, 2010 and 2013. They predicted churches in at this time would be about at half strength. And I marvel at that because that is what has happened. The church is in decline in America, but it's growing quickly in Africa and China exponentially. So the church universal is growing, but we're struggling in America. But be reminded from the scripture, we are told that Jesus is the center and the owner of his community of followers. The church has always been since the very beginning, and it will always be to the very end. Because Jesus is the center and the owner. And 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 the way the church grows now, I I I have gone to church growth church growth seminars. I I love leadership and leadership seminars, and I like marketing and 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 sharing the gospel in any and every way. And if you're watching online today, we're glad you're here. But it's just not like being in the building with us. But if you're in Florida or Canada, which we have a lot of people in Canada, and even some people in Africa, we're glad you're joining us in this way. But, But realize this, with all of that stuff and all the technology, it's only Jesus that adds to his church. In Acts chapter 2, verse 47, and the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved, that the miracle and the work is by Jesus and in no other way. He does it. And recognize this, if you will, that the church is invisible, yet visible. When, the, when you drive by on 40, you see our church. And in fact, I had someone just a few weeks ago say, hey, I, I was afraid to come in because your church is so large. It's just got, it's got a big footprint. But now that I've been, and they've looked for churches for for years, but now that I've been inside, I realize that it's welcoming and friendly, and it's a community, and there's a family feeling that I haven't gotten anywhere else. I wish I would have come sooner. You know, you can't believe how many times I hear that. That's the church visible. We see this in the Bible with the Church of Corinth, the Church of Thessalonica, the Church Church of Philippi, different churches, uh, Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamum, Philadelphia, all different churches, all different locations, the church visible. But there also is a church invisible. The invisible church is the church as God sees it. 
that goes beyond borders and buildings and regions and nations. You see, the church, the invisible church is the church as God sees it. And not everybody that goes to church is actually part of the invisible church. You know, if I walk into my garage, it doesn't mean I'm a car. And just because you walk into this building doesn't mean that you're a believer or that you have a saving relationship. But I want to go back to this passage where Jesus says the gates of hell will not prevail beyond the church. And what he's saying there is actually not that the gates of hell are aggressive and that evil is pursuing us, but yet that the the power of God and his Holy Spirit is beyond the power of evil and that we can be a part of the process of people coming to Christ. And today, through this holiday season, through Christmas, we have several opportunities. We've got all kinds of crazy things going on here. Not crazy, crazy, but, but a lot of stuff, more than normal. I've actually got somebody calling me. This is not a good time. <clears throat> I, sorry if you tried to call me just now, not answering. Uh, this is an opportunity. This afternoon, we're going to have our Thanksgiving dinner. I think it's, what time is it? Six o'clock. I'm glad you you know. (laughs) This is one of my favorite things to do. I love to go and hang out with people and eat. I'm really good at it. I have to go to a wedding this afternoon. I'd and I can't be at both places. So I already I I, who has a wedding on Sunday afternoon, you know. But if I had a choice, I'd rather be here with you, because. This is the family of God gathering and sharing together. You're not going to hear a sermon. You're not going to, you're not going to, uh, we're going to pray before we eat. But then we're just going to eat and you're going to hang out and you're going to love on each other because that's who we are. And that's what God calls us to. We're the church. And I love that. This is my favorite, this is my favorite thing that we do. One of my favorite things. So, Chris, well, don't, uh, you should be deeper than that. I know. <laughs> but I love it. Because I love you and being together. Jesus goes on in this passage. Oh, and the gates of hell. I want to tell you this. Um, this is fascinating to me. Geography-wise, you know that temple of Pan, and you saw that cave? All right, where, where that spring was, was down deep. And it sounded as it gurgled up and it fed this river that fed the Jordan River. It sounded like screams. And so they called that the gate of hell. And so Jesus was just nailing this location like crazy and just beating it into those guys so that they would remember and they would understand that the gates of hell would have no power over the church of God and over the Christian. And then he goes on in verse 19 and he says this, he says, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Now, I've struggled with this passage for most of my life. And when I think of, I, I, I have car keys, I have house keys, I have all kinds of keys. I have keys that I don't even know what they belong to. I have pink keys, I have red keys, I have all kinds of keys. But what he's talking about here is that these guys, these apostles, were going to set the precedent and the practices of the early church. Some of them were going to be binding. 
Some of the things that we do are, are, are core to who we are. If you read in the Rooted book, baptism, the way we do baptism, that's the way they did it. That's the way it ought to be done, always. When we look at the Lord's table, when we celebrate the Eucharist, when we, we give thanksgiving for what he has done for us, that's the core of who we are and what we believe. There's no apology for that. That is it. That is binding because that is how we have faith and practice. Now, there's some things that are loose, that are not binding, that, that some of us are okay with and others of us aren't. And I won't, you know, you guys know some of these things. I'm not even going down that road, but we have issues with that because some of you think, well, yeah, I can do that. And others of you say, no, you can't do that. But the Bible, if you look at what the Word of God says, it's a freedom of choice. Some things are better and some things are worse, but you have a freedom. It's loosed. That's what he's talking about. But what's fascinating at the end of this passage, in verse 20, he says this. He says, then he strictly charged the disciples to tell no one that he was the Christ. You know, some people will say that Jesus never said he was the Christ. Oh, no, he did. He told the apostles who he was. He was the Messiah of God. And understand this, Christian. You can't love Jesus and not love his church. I love the body of Christ. Somebody said to me this morning, one of our leaders said, I don't know how you do rentals. They're, they're, they're just too much crazy. And, you know, I, I deal with some crazy. But, you know, I've, I've dealt with a lot more crazy in the church than I have with my rentals. <laughs> and and, and I don't, I'm not going to try to offend you right now, but I'm just going to say, hey, we all have a little bit of crazy at times. Won't you agree? Amen. We do. And, and you know what? I have a little crazy in my family, and I would bet you do too. And again, if you don't think it's you, it's probably you. But you know what? I love it. This is God's plan. This is the way he, he, he planned it. This is the calling. We are the called out ones, and we get to love each other and be family. That is who we are. Now, Franklin Clark Fry says it this way, a person who says he believes in God but never goes to church is like a person who says he believes in education but never goes to school. You got to have the church. You see, because the church is not a place where we go, it's a family where we belong. I, I love West Central Indiana. I love the Wabash Valley. I love Clay County. I love Brazil, Indiana. I do. I mean, I'm 100%. I'm 100%er. You won't hear me complain about living here. I love it. I love the four seasons. I love the people. I love the place. You know, I I have the opportunity to to be uh, a lot of different places, a lot of different times, but there's no place like here, no place like home. If you're called to be here, love it because it's great and recognize it for what it is. It's home. But I also get to be a, a part of a church that, that loves Jesus and loves the Word of God and, and loves to do crazy wild things for God in all different ways. And, 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 and it's, it's so generous. I love that. Now, now, as we look at this, and we've looked at the passage of Scripture, and why is the church so important, I just want to ask you this. Is, uh, 
how do we apply this? What's the application? I'm going to give you three quick applications. The first one is this. Regularly attend church, become part of the family of God. Get involved. Do something. Make it a priority. I, I get concerned. I've got family members now that are involved in travel ball and all kinds of stuff. And you think I'm picking on travel ball. There's all kinds of things that can distract us from being a part of and, and, and the priority of the church uh, uh, of God. But but I tell you what, I want my kids, as a parent, I want my kids to be involved in church, and they are today by the grace of God, you know, in spite of who I am and, and, and what I am. But I want my grandkids to know Jesus. I want them to love the church like I love the church. And, and, and the thing is, you know, we can play sports or activities for a season or part of our lives, but you know what? Only one thing's going to go into eternity, and it's not any of that. It's not any of that. Um, the Hebrew writer writes it this way, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Here's the deal. We're, we're closer to the end of days than we ever have been. I have neighbors that ask me about what's going on in Israel. It's crazy. People are thinking about the end. And what an opportunity. You know, be involved in the church. Encourage others. Inspire others to know the Lord. Old couple was getting ready for church one, one Sunday morning. Old man said, I don't want to go, go to church today. His wife said, why not? Why not? He said, well, the people are cold. They don't like me, and I just don't want to go. And the wife paused and shook her head. And she said, you know, the people are warm. Some of them like you. Not all of them. Some of them like you. And by the way, you have to go because you're the pastor. Don't think that some pastors don't have trouble getting up on Sunday morning and going to church just like you. There are days. Number two, invite those you know to come, come to be a part of our church family. Folks, if it's made a difference in your life, it will make a difference in theirs. This is the best time of year. There are all th- kinds of things going on. The church is not just about gathering. It's about scattering to be the hands and the feet of Jesus in the world. When we you out those doors in the foyer, it says you are now entering the mission field because you are. People need Jesus. They need to know him as Lord and Savior of their lives. And number three, generously support the church with your time, talent, and treasure. Get involved. Do something. Whether uh, I, I was I, I was hearing that there were a couple ladies that didn't know that didn't get included in the Thanksgiving meal prep. I think this is an awesome illustration. They they hadn't received a turkey and they were upset. And then they were related to each other and they were fighting over who got to, to bake the turkey and somebody was wise and gave, gave them another turkey so they both could have one to bake. Isn't that cool? Because they want to do something. Doesn't have to be big. It doesn't have to be small. It's just something that you are called to do that only you can do. The church will make a difference in your life. Trust Jesus to build his church.
and be a part of the grandest, greatest family in the world that the world has ever known. Will you please stand and pray with me? Eternal God and Father, we are grateful for this time. And Father, we know the day is coming, and and every day we're closer to the end of all days. And Father, you know, we want those that we love to be ready, and we want to be ready. But we also pray that you would come quickly, Maranatha, that you would come, Lord. And Father, that you would give us opportunity to speak forth the good that you do, that you are God, you are in control, your timing is perfect. What they mean for evil, you mean for good, that you are above and beyond all things. And Father, that you are our God and Father, and that you have given us a church to belong to, invisible, eternal, visible, local, making a difference, prevailing against the gates of hell. And Father, we just give you all the praise and all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Will you come this morning?